بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته اللهم انفعنا بما علمتنا وعلمنا ما ينفعنا ورزقنا علما تنفعنا به آمين رب العالمين الحمد لله ثم الحمد لله We thank and we praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for gathering us again to study his deen and specifically the manasik of hajj, uh, the rituals of hajj, alhamdulillah. So last week we ended off as we approached Mecca, correct? We spoke about the ihram, the last two weeks, what's permissible, what's not permissible. Um, what is a sunnah to do before going into ihram, what's recommended, and what is the the, the sunnah in terms of the talbiyah and so forth whilst in the state of ihram okay the talbiyah is the what is the talbiyah right that's the proper word the talbiyah so these type of words it's good to learn them talbiyah hadi all these hajj terminologies you know it's good to get get accustomed to using those words um inshallah so we spoke about Getting to Makkah, the Sunnah upon before entering Makkah, take a ghusl, we said difficult to perform today, so that will not be performed. But if your intention is there, inshallah, you can get the reward. We get to Makkah, we said that the Sunnah is to go straight to the Haram, right? But again, of course, necessity you have your luggage, you have your valuables, you need to drop them off, go to your rooms, and uh, you need to freshen up, you freshen up, and so forth, no problem. Okay? If there's any questions on any of these things, feel free to ask. Uh, no problems, right? So, once we are done, we are freshened up. We've taken wudu, we've used the bathroom, we've relieved ourselves. If you want to take a ghusl, you could have. If you want to take a small nap, that's also permissible. If you felt you needed to eat first, have something to drink first to get your energy levels up. That's perfectly fine and permissible. In fact, that may even be, it may even be compulsory. If you feel you're in a weak state, it may even be compulsory that you need to have something to eat, right? Just to look after your body, as preference over everything else. Tayyib, we are now in the haram. Men, women, we now proceed to the haram, right? Most of us, inshallah, we are doing tamattu hajj, which means... Currently, what are we going to do? We are going to perform Umrah. We are going to perform Umrah. Our niyyah, or what did we utter when we passed the miqat? Labbaik Allahumma bi Umrah. We said, oh Allah, here we are to perform Umrah. So the niyyah for hajj or the ritual for hajj, the utterance, will actually come later on for the person who is in tamattu. Okay? So we go to the haram. The first thing we do is Masjidul Haram, which is the Haram. Masjidul Haram is a masjid. So, it's the greatest of all masajid. As is the etiquette with entering any masjid, there's a dua to recite. We enter with the right foot and we exit with the left. This is obviously the opposite of when you go to the toilet, for example. You enter with the left, you exit with the right. Then the Sunnah of the Prophet was anything good. You would start with the right hand side. So like when you enter the masjid, you enter with your right foot. 
um, when he got dressed, he put on his right shoe first, then the left, even with his clothing, the right, the right leg, then the right arm first, and so forth. When he took it off, the left would come out first, and so forth. Um, so we enter firstly with the right foot, and we say the dua for entering the masjid. Right? Bismillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah. Allahumma iftah li abuaba rahmatik. A'udhu billahi al-azim wa biwajhi al-kareem wa bisultanihi al-qadim min ash-shaytan al-rajim. These are basically three different narrations we put together to form one dua. Okay? Most of the time people just say, Allahumma iftah li abuaba rahmatik. Other people say, Bismillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah. Allahumma iftah li abuaba rahmatik. It's all good. Because they all come from hadith, right? Even if you just said, أعوذ بالله العظيم وبواجه الكريم وبسلطانه القديم من الشيطان الرجيم This would also just be good. Okay? So if you choose one or you do all three of them, all good. Okay? They are all narrated from the Prophet ﷺ that this is what he would say when he entered the masjid. Bismillah, in the name of Allah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah, may the blessings and peace be upon the messenger of Allah. Allahumma iftah li abuaba rahmatik. Oh Allah, open for me the doors of your mercy. Open for me the doors of your mercy. And then, a'udhu billahi al-azim. I seek refuge with Allah, al-azim, the greatest. Wa biwajhi al-kareem. And in his noble countenance, wa bisultani al-qadeem. And his eternal power, from the accursed shaitan or the shaitan who's the rejected one. Okay, it's a valuable dua to recite. You're putting your protection, you're seeking protection from Allah against shaitan through the names and attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's ideal when you enter the masjid. When you enter the masjid, this is to get the shaitan away from you so that you can focus on your ibadat, your salah and your umrah and so forth. Allahumma iftah li abuaba rahmatik. You are asking Allah every time you enter the masjid, open up the doors of your mercy, which is vast. It's not limited to anything. It is basically an all-encompassing dua. And when we leave the masjid eventually, we leave of course with the left foot and we say, Bismillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah. Allahumma inni as'aluka min fadlik. Oh Allah, I ask you for your favors. Allahumma asimni min ash-shaytan al-rajim. Oh Allah, protect me from the shaytan, the outcast, the rejected, the accursed, etc. Again, dua in Allah SWT to protect you from shaytan now when you leave the masjid. Right? This is again all from the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu So we are now in the masjid. What's the first thing that we do? Usually you would pray tahiyatul masjid. Usually a person will make salah tahiyatul masjid, right? The hadith says you should not sit unless you have prayed to raka'at. When you enter the masjid, you should not sit unless you have prayed to raka'at of salah. This applies to every masjid in the world. If it's considered a masjid, it's a sunnah. Some ulama say it's a fard. Because you look at the wording of the hadith. You must not sit unless you've prayed. You understand? In fact, one day, Rasulullah sallallahu was giving the Jumu'ah khutbah, and a man came into the masjid and he sat down. And he stopped the khutbah. And he said to the man, have you prayed? And the man said, no, I have not prayed. And he said to him, stand up and pray. This is during the khutbah. This is, and the khutbah of Jumu'ah 
has a great status. It's wajib to be attentive and to listen, but for tahiyatul masjid, it has to be done. So some ulama say it's a fard, some ulama say it's highly recommended. Okay? Um, but if you enter the masjid, then that tahiyatul masjid can be combined with another salah, that niyyah can be combined with another salah. So let's say we entered for dhuhr salah and we want to pray the sunnahs before dhuhr. You don't have to pray two for tahiyatul masjid and then two for dhuhr. It can be in one go. That counts as your tahiyatul masjid. Understand? The same as if you came in and the fard was already on, you immediately join the fard salah. That counts as your tahiyatul masjid. Okay? It doesn't have to be the specific two. It can be any salah that is... Your intention is this is my tahiyatul masjid. However, when we enter for umrah, the tawaf is like your salah. The tawaf takes the place of the salah. Okay? Your, your tawaf. In fact, the hadith says, the salah, sorry, the tawaf is a salah. Except, there's a slight difference, which is, you're allowed to speak in the tawaf. You're allowed to talk in the tawaf. We know in salah you're not allowed to talk. So that's what the Prophet said. It is a salah. It's like a salah, except you are, it's permissible for you to, to speak in the tawaf. So, the tawaf actually takes the place of the tahiyatul masjid. When we enter the masjid, we go straight to the mataf. What's the mataf? It's not the mataf, it's actually the mataf. Mataf means the place of tawaf. Mataf means the place of tawaf. Okay? We go straight to the mataf. And we are now going to start the tawaf. This is the umrah. Umrah starts with your ihram, getting to the mataf, and we start the tawaf. First thing, which is very difficult again, unfortunately, is that we should go to the black stone to start the tawaf should touch the stone with his right hand and kiss the stone. This is a sunnah. Okay? If he cannot kiss it, then he should touch it with his hand and kiss his hand. But if he cannot touch it with his hand, he should face the stone and point to it with his hand and say, Allahu Akbar. But he does not kiss his hand after that. So we have three options. The best option is you go to the black stone and you kiss the stone and touch the stone. This is extremely difficult because of crowding, especially in Hajj. If it was another time of the year, when Haram is not as full, then it could be possible. If it's not possible to kiss it, at least touch it and, and kiss your hand. If that's not possible, <coughs> at least face the stone and you basically point or direct your, your hand like this towards the stone. So your palm of your hand is facing the stone Right? It's almost as if you're waving, but without a wave. You just, you just, you know, face your hand in that direction, and you do not then kiss your hand. The reason you would kiss your hand is because you touch the stone. But you are not touching it now, so you don't kiss the, the hand. And then we say, Allahu Akbar, or Bismillahi Allahu Akbar. Both are correct. Right? Both are correct. Some, some, some say, say Bismillah, some say just Allahu Akbar. Both are correct. Okay? Um, to touch and to kiss the stone was also a great sunnah of the Prophet. In fact, there's a narration of Umar ibn Khattab 
radiallahu anhu, a famous narration where he went to the black stone and he spoke to the stone. And he said to the stone, I know that you are just a stone. And I would never have kissed you because you are just a stone. And what can you benefit me or harm me because you are a stone? But because I saw Rasulullah kiss you, I will kiss you. And he kissed the stone. And there's a great benefit in that narration. A lot of beliefs, we can derive the belief of the Sahaba, the belief of Ahl Sunnah Jama'ah, that the stone itself does not actually benefit you or harm you. So if the stone, which is a great part, it's a, it's a virtuous uh, stone, it's part of the Kaaba, every tawaf you have to point towards that stone. If that doesn't harm you or benefit you or give you anything, any type of blessings, then what about the rest of the Kaaba? What about the rest of the Haram? Do you understand? And the reason I'm mentioning this is you will see people in the Haram, because it's the Haram, they are rubbing their hands on everything, they are rubbing their faces on things, they are kissing everything and rubbing it over their faces, believing that this is Barakah. Believing that if they touch the ground, it's blessing, so they rub their, their bodies and they bring sand home and they do all these type of things, believing there's virtue in it. And believing that there's, you know, it gives you some type of blessings or something to that effect. Look at Umar, who was the second best after Abu Bakr, radiallahu anhum. He said to the stone, if it was not for the Prophet, I would never have kissed you, because you're just a stone. What can that stone give you? What can it bring you? It doesn't ward off any evil eye, any harms, nor does it bring you blessings in your life. All of that only comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All of that only comes from Allah, your protection. And any goodness and blessings in your life, it comes from Allah alone. Not from the haram itself. Not from the maltaf, not from the mats, not from the, the cloth and the Kaaba. None of those things are going to benefit you or harm you. But because the Prophet did these things, we do it. To follow the Sunnah. If he did not do it, we we know virtue in doing it. You understand? So there is a lot of benefit that can be discussed on that issue. Um, but we leave that for another aqeedah lesson one day, inshallah. There is a great deal of virtue in touching the black stone because the Prophet said, Allah will raise up the black stone on the day of Qiyamah. And it will have two eyes with which it will see and a tongue with which it will speak. And it will be a witness for those who touched it in sincerity. So there is virtue in touching it and kissing it if possible. Right? Now again, what did we say? What's the principle? If your wish and your desire was to touch it, to kiss it, and you were unable to do that, purely because of the crowding, then Allah will give you the reward as if you touched it. Right? Because the hadith says that every person gets what he intends. And the only reason you didn't go was not because of laziness, was not because you didn't feel like it, it was purely because it was not possible. So in this case we say you will get that reward inshallah. And to go into crowd would not be a good thing. It's not recommended. It's not preferred. In fact, it's either makru or it could become haram. It could even become haram to go there and to fight. Because it's not just about crowding, it's about pushing and shoving and sometimes hitting people. That's what happens at the Blackstone. 
That is what happens at the Black Zone. People fight. People strangle each other. People faint. People literally get carried out by the crowd because they, they are out of it. You know, and I've seen these things happen myself. Because people are forcing, it's hot. You are being suffocated because of all the people pushing you from all sides. You literally can't even walk. You're just getting, you know, like you're floating around. And you can't breathe. You know, and eventually people pass out. Um, and if you look at the narration over there, the Prophet ﷺ even said to Umar ibn Khattab, Oh Umar, you are a strong man. Do not crowd around the stone and disturb the weak. If you find space, then touch it. Otherwise, just face it and say Allahu Akbar. This is the wisdom already taught to us by the Prophet ﷺ in a hadith. And this is, you know, you will see a lot of ignorance in Mecca on Hajj. A lot of ignorance. People haven't been taught the etiquettes and what they should do, what they shouldn't do. To go there and push and shove becomes harmful upon yourself and others. And this is why we say it can become haram. And people swear and they lose their temper and they this because it's a guy comes and he shoves you. Your instinct is to block and to push him back. But when you push him back, another guy shoves you. And then another guy and another guy because there's no line. There's no queue anymore. It's just chaos. Literally just chaos. So my suggestion is if it's full, don't even bother. Don't even bother. It's just you're just going to cause harm to yourself. And at the end, you're going to sit with regret because you're going to think, oh, I said this in the heat of the moment. I pushed this guy. I tripped that guy. This one fell. This happened. This happened. This happened. You know, it's not recommended. Here we see the hadith. Point is Allah. And you will get the reward because of sincerity. Insha'Allah. So once we've said this, we point to the black stone, we say Allahu Akbar, or Bismillah Allahu Akbar, you now start walking. You now start walking. And we know you're walking in anti-clockwise direction. There's no need for me to that. You will see the, the, the direction moving. You naturally just fall part of the crowd. And you start walking. Right? So from the black stone, which is, let's say for argument's sake, this is the door of the Kaaba. The black stone is right next to the door. Okay? So this is where you're going to be in line with this. You will point to the black stone and say Allahu Akbar and you will start walking around the Kaaba. Right? These four corners, as we know, it's a square. When we get to this corner over here, this is called the... What's this corner called? The Rukni Yamani. The Yemeni corner. Because it's in the direction of Yemen. Right? This is the Rukni Yamani. The Rukni Yamani, the Yemeni corner. So we walk right around. When we get to this point here, it's again a sunnah to touch that part of the Kaaba. You will see this part is also open. It's not black like the rest of the cloth. There's an open section for you to touch. Sometimes it is possible to touch it. It's not as crowded as the, the black stone. It's never as bad. So if it is possible, you can go and touch it. If it's not possible, don't worry. Right? Without kissing his hand or saying Allah Akbar, that only applies to the black stone. If he cannot touch it, he should move on and not crowd around it. This is key. We don't, if you, the moment you start crowding and stopping and doing this, you cause a back. You know, you cause the, the crowding and you could cause a big stampede depending how bad it becomes. So, it's important to know that you are in a crowd, you need to follow appropriately. 
to stop around, to stop and to check for this and to check unnecessary. Don't do that. The next person behind you is going to open to you and the person behind him is going to open. You understand? Keep moving with the crowd. If you need to stop, get out of the crowd. Stop, talk to somebody. That's what I need to do. And you do, and you do what you need to do. Right? Don't crowd around it. Between the Yemeni corner and the black stone, he should say, Rabbana atina fid dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa qina adhab al-nar. I think this to her, all of us knows, right? Rabbana, our Lord, give us in this world that which is good and in the year after that which is good and save us from the torment of the fire. Save us from the punishment or the torment of the fire. So, this is now the one of the etiquettes of Tawaf. One of the sunnahs of Tawaf is when you get to the Yemeni corner, from between that Yemeni corner, right up until the black stone, you will be reciting this dua over and over and over again. There's no limit, there's no set number, you just recite it from that point to that point. If it takes you five minutes, five. if it takes you two minutes, whatever. But the sunnah is from that point to that point, you recite, Rabbana Atina. So it's basically the last stretch. We're talking about four stretches, right? Four corners that we have to walk around. The last stretch, from there to there you will recite, Rabbana Atina fi dunya hasana, wa fil akhirati hasana, wa qina adhab al-nar. Over and over and over, until we get to the, in line with the black stone. Now the other thing is, what they've done today is, if this is the black stone, Right, so you'll be obviously a distance away from it. You probably won't be able to see it because all of the people's crowding. You'll have an idea where it is, because it's on the corner of the Kaaba. The other thing is, on your right hand side, over there on top, there'll be a big, massive green light to show you more or less. So if you can't see that side for any reason, the green light is there to tell you you are way past the, the point, the end point. Okay? So when we start, Allahu Akbar, and we walk right around, we get to the Yemeni corner, you touch it if possible, if it's overcrowded, you keep walking and yourself saying, Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana, fi lakhrati hasana, qina adhaba now, all the way until you get here, Bismillah, Allahu Akbar, or Allahu Akbar, and now it's your second round. That was now one round completed. Okay? That's one round. Second round, the same system. We get here, Rabbana atina fi dunya, till there, Allahu Akbar, that's two completed. Now you're on your third round, and again it's important to count. You have to make your own way of counting, whether it's on your fingers, whether it's on your phone, whatever. If you have it in your head, no problem. Either way, try your best to keep track. And if you're in a group, it helps. You have your wife with you, tell each other, okay, that's two done, that's three done, you know, so that you don't forget. Every time he passes the black stone, he should face it and say, Allahu Akbar, okay? And in the rest of his tawaf, he should recite whatever he likes of dhikr, dua, and Quran. Because the tawaf around the Kaaba has been established for the remembrance of Allah. That's from a hadith, in fact. That the tawaf is there for the remembrance of Allah. So, what does this mean? What are we going to recite when we start? What do you decide in the first round, the second round, the third round, the fourth round, the fifth round, the sixth round, and the seventh round? 
whatever you want, right? So you will get booklets that will say in the first round you must decide this, in the second round you must decide that, and in the third round this, and the fourth round that, and the fifth and the sixth and the seventh. Okay, my personal opinion and suggestion is leave all of that, leave all of those things. The Prophet never taught us those things, nor the Sahaba, nor any of the great Imams. He said the Tawaf is for the remembrance of Allah. So what you do is, you do what you feel like doing. You do what's best for you. Dhikr is a general term, very general. It includes your normal dhikr like your tasbih, your alhamdulillah, Allah Akbar, la ilaha illallah. It includes Quran, it includes dua, it includes salawat upon the Prophet This all dhikr. So whatever you feel like doing, you can do. And you should do what's appropriate for yourself. My one recommendation I would say is, perhaps not even a recommendation. Any ibadah, great ibadah, should be started with tawbah. Right? So this tawbah doesn't even have to be in the tawaf. You can be, you know, before you enter the, the ihram, or after you enter the ihram, you're on your journey, make tawbah to Allah. You know, you ask Allah to forgive you for everything, etc. And this helps in terms of your ibadah, in terms of having your du'as accepted and so forth. But if you wanted to, it's an option, I'm not saying it's a sunnah. You could start your first tawaf, for example, making istighfar. This is just an option. I'm not saying it's what you should do. And then you can switch it up, you can make salawat. And if you feel like making tasbih, you make tasbih. If you feel like saying alhamdulillah, because Allah has brought you there, you see the Kaaba, you want to thank Allah, you say alhamdulillah, 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 alhamdulillah. If you see the greatness of Allah, all these people worshipping Allah, you see the Kaaba, its greatness, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. But it's dhikr with understanding, because that's the type of dhikr that benefits the dhikr that benefits you is the dhikr what you understand, what you know, what you are saying. You know why you're saying it. I'm saying Alhamdulillah, I know exactly why I'm saying it. I'm saying Allah, I know exactly, I want to praise Allah, I know exactly why I'm praising Allah. You understand? But for, to take somebody else's opinion and say, no, no, you must first make istighfar, you must first make salawat, or you must first say, Allahumma this and Allahumma that, Allahumma this and Allahumma that, it becomes, what's the word? It becomes uh, mundane. You know, it just becomes when people walk with a book and they read Rabbana Hatina Fitna Hasana, okay, we better bless Allah Akbar, Allah Ma'ini Aulu becoming Adabi Hamin Adabi Kabul with Fitna Mahon Mamma Shiva, Allah Ma'ini Aulu becoming Allah Ma'ini Salika, okay, we better blackstone again. The whole tawaf is just, you know, there's no feeling involved, there's no khushur involved, there's no you don't get the value of the tawaf. And this is why the Prophet didn't make the whole tawaf. You must say this, and then that, and then this, and then that, and then this. And It's open, you worship Allah as you want to. It's general, it's unrestricted. So you speak, even if you speak in English. You speak in English and you say, Ya Allah, thank you for bringing me here. Ya Allah, make me make the best of my umrah and my hajj. Purify my sins, change me. Whatever you want, from the bottom of your heart, you speak to Allah. That is how you will feel the tawaf. You feel 
your connection with Allah. But if you're reciting Arabic and you don't understand Arabic, what's the benefit? What is the benefit? You don't even know what you're asking Allah for. So this, I don't recommend. Right? If you took a dua or two from these books that you feel you understand the dua and you want to use that, no problem. It's also general, right? But this is my advice. Do what's going to benefit you. If you want to recite Quran in Tawaf, recite Quran in Tawaf. If you want to make dhikr, make dhikr. If you want to make dua, make dua. Mix and match. Do what is going to be best for you. The one sunnah is from the Rukn Yamani to the Black Stone. Make sure you read Rabbana Atina Vidunya Hasana wa Fila Akhwati Hasana wa Kira Adabana. That's the only dhikr that's stipulated. Everything else is said, the tawaf is for the remembrance of Allah. Right? So to that, that is how we're going to truly benefit from the tawaf, inshallah. In tawaf, men should do two things. There are two sunnahs for the men to do. Number one is uncovering, uncovering the right shoulder. So usually we said your rida, which is the upper garment, would be thrown over your shoulders. Correct? The whole journey, it is over the shoulders, covering your body. When you get to the matav, as you are about to start at the black stone, this is when you uncover your shoulder, and you take that from on top, under your arm. So this is open. And you throw it over your left shoulder. That's it. There's no special technique, there's no uh, special way to do it. You just uncover the shoulder. So the one that's facing away from the Kaaba will be opened. So what did I say? You take it off of your shoulder, underneath your arm, throw it over the left shoulder, this is now open. So for the entire tawaf, that is what the men have to do. That is what the men have to, have to do. When he finishes the tawaf, as soon as you pass by the black stone, for the seventh time, what do you do now? You cover your shoulder once again. Right? Again, you will see people, the whole umrah, the shoulders open. From the time they put on the ihram, till the time they shave the head, shoulders open. This is not the sunnah. The sunnah is just for the tawaf. For the sa'i, after the tawaf, you cover your shoulders once again. Okay? Another point here is, I said, when we start, we say Allahu Akbar, right? So that's one. One, what we call this? One takbir. Let's call it that takbir. Now we make one round, we say Allah Akbar. So after one round, you've made how many takbirs? Two. Which means after seven rounds, you will not do this takbir again, because that's going to be an eighth takbir. Are you with me? Yes. That's now going to be an eighth takbir. So when you end off, you are now done with Rabbana Atina for the last time. As you pass the black stone, you don't stop it's Allah Akbar again because you're done with Tawaf. Once you pass that, that barrier, you are done with the Tawaf. There's no Allah Akbar for the eighth time again. Understand? So on the last round, you just walk past and your Tawaf is over. Your Tawaf is now done. You don't have to do that. If you did it by accident, no wrong. Don't worry. Don't think, oh, I did it. This no worries. But leave it out if you are aware of what you are. If you remember, basically. Okay, number two is Rommel. Rommel. Anybody knows Rommel? Like a trot, it was like jog, right? This is for the 
men. Only in the first three circuits they should do this if possible. Right? If possible. So what, what happens is you start Allahu Akbar and you, you basically like a light jog like this. You don't sprint. It's just a light jog. That's Rommel. Okay? This is if it's possible. Meaning what? If it's crowded, it's congested, you don't do that. Because you're just going to knock people over. You're going to run into people and so forth. Then you don't do it. Right? Also, if you are weak, old or sick, not feeling well, don't do it. Also, if you feel you need to be with your family, don't do it. You feel, if I run, my wife's alone. Walk with her. She don't, don't tell her to run with you. Walk with her, no problem. This is only if it's possible to do. Right? If it's not possible, there's any reason you feel you shouldn't do it, don't do it. Okay? Also, this is only for the Umrah. The Ramal is only for Umrah, which means if you make a Nafil Tawaf, you do not do a Ramal, you just walk. And obviously you won't be in Ihram, so there will be no uncovering of the, of the shoulder, right? You will be normal thawb, whatever you are wearing, you can just make Tawaf. It will just be walking seven times, and the Allah Akbars and so forth, that will all be in place. But no Ramal and no uncovering. Those two points only applies to the Umrah. Okay? When the pilgrim has completed seven circuits of Tawaf, he should cover his right shoulder, then go to the station of Ibrahim. Maqam Ibrahim. Right? Which means the station of Ibrahim. And recite the words, مِن مَقَامِ إِبْرَاهِيمَ مُصَلَّى This is an ayah of the Quran, Surah Baqarah, verse 125. وَاتَّخِذُوا مِن مَقَامِ إِبْرَاهِيمَ مُصَلَّى And take, meaning of people, the maqam of Ibrahim as a place of prayer. مُصَلَّى مُصَلَّى means a, a place of prayer. A musalla is not what we use at home. With, it's not a musalla. That's for the sajada. In Arabic, that mat is actually what? A sajada. A musalla means your place of prayer. This is all musalla. This whole masjid, this area is musalla. That is not musalla because it's not a place of prayer. It's a foyer, right? This is a musalla, it's all places of prayer. A jamaat khana, which is not a masjid, doesn't fulfill the requirements of a masjid. The correct term is actually a musalla. It's a musalla, it's not a jamaat khana. Maybe jamaat khana is not even Arabic. Um, but the correct word is a musalla, place of salah. Like a mataf is a place of tawaf. Right? We're going to learn another word. Mas'a is a place of sa'i. Right? Anyways, Allah says, take the place of Ibrahim, the standing place where Ibrahim stood, as a place of salah. So when we approach, so what is the sunnah now? What we do is, as I said, we're not going to point again. We're just going to walk past. Ta'af is done. If this is the door, this is the black stone. We are now coming through here. As you are making the tawaf, this all now the tawaf area, right? You will see this big golden dome-like structure positioned in the middle of the matav, in front of the door area. That's the maqam Ibrahim. If you go look inside, there's nothing wrong looking inside, you will see two uh, footprints. 
This is where Ibrahim stood, where he was building the Kaaba, and then we know the rock lifted up and so forth, so he could build the Kaaba. That rock has been preserved. So that is inside that dome. So if you can look, go look. But remember, it's a place of tawaf. Don't crowd around it. Secondly, don't take, don't rub it and rub your face on it and seek blessings and rub you all of that is not from the Sunnah. Right? That dome, the Saudis put there, or the Ottomans put there. It's not a blessed dome. It's just a structure. Right? You can look as a city when you see the footprints, no problem, no harm in that. But don't go and rub it and seek blessings and do all these type of funny things. The Sunnah now is, as we passed, we are done with the Tawaf. We now need to go pray behind the Maqam of Ibrahim. And you will see lots of people making salah over there. Lots of people are making salah over there. Right? So, as we passed, we approaching that area, we recite this verse. Okay? And we are now going to make two raka'at. So, obviously the Kaaba is now on this side. We are now behind the Maqam Ibrahim. We make two raka'at facing the Kaaba. Right? Again, it may be crowded over there. It may not be easy to find a spot in that location. If it's not easy, you can make anywhere in the Haram. Even if it's on the other side of the Kaaba, it's fine. Or you can go beyond that, or to the right, or to the left. It doesn't matter. Right? If it's, if it's a lot of place, take the place. If it's not a lot of place, take any place. And make sure you make the two raka'at of salah after the tawaf. In that two raka'at, you must recite the Fatiha. And then, قُلْ يَا الْكَافِرُونَ In the first raka'at. The second raka'at. Al-Fatiha and Surah Ikhlas, Qul Huwa Allahu Ahad. That's the Sunnah. Okay? I'm sure you all know those Surahs. If you forgot to recite them, there's no harm. Right? It's better to recite it. When he's finished this prayer, he should go back to the black stone and touch it if he can. Probably won't be able to do that. It is prescribed at this point, touch it only. If you cannot do that, then you should go away and not point at it. There's no pointing. It's just a sunnah to touch it and go. Again, this will probably not happen, so we just move on. Right? We just move on. One thing I forgot to put in here, after this two rakat, is another hadith which mentions going to have some zamzam. That you have some zamzam, and you take the zamzam and you wipe it on your head. Or you just throw it on yourself, your face and so forth. You know, you're cooling down. Have a sip of Zamzam. It's the blessed water. The Prophet said that Zamzam is for that which it is drunk for. For that which it is drunk. It's drunk or drank. For that which it is drunk. Drunk is the right word. Meaning, what does this mean? This means, if you are drinking Zamzam for energy, you will get energy. If you are drinking with the intention of Shifa, you will get Shifa. If you are drinking Zamzam for the intention of uh, fulfilling your thirst or your hunger, it will do that. This is the Barakah of Zamzam. That's why he said it is for what it is drunk. Drunk. So whatever your intention is, Bismillah and you drink. Okay? Um, you don't have to stand and drink Zamzam. You can sit and drink Zamzam. If you want to face the Qibla, that's fine. And you can make Dua after drinking Zamzam. 
some of the etiquettes of Zamzam. Maybe we can do that next week if I can remember to put that in the notes. There are etiquettes when drinking Zamzam. Okay? So we drink with the right hand, we say Bismillah. Um, it's also a sunnah to drink to your fill. To drink as much as you can. Because it's blessed water. Okay? And as I said, whatever your intention is, that's what you will get, inshallah. But at this point here, Mataf is done, Ta'af is done. Have some zamzam. If you can, throw it on your head, your face, rub it on your face, and so forth. That's a good thing. Okay? Now we are going to the Mas'a. What's the Mas'a? Place of Sa'i. The place of Sa'i. As we start walking again, there are signs. The crowd will be moving. You will see the Sa'i. Uh, again, if this is the door, Blackstone, Maqam Ibrahim, the Mas'a is there. It's that way. Okay, so you, you break the two raka'at, then you proceed back that way. Okay, in that same direction. So, as we go to the Mas'a, you will approach Mount, which Mount's first? Safa or Marwa? Safa is first, then Marwa, right? Safa, Safa and Marwa. Safa and Marwa. We go to Safa. As you are approaching Safa, you are about to start going up to Safa. There's an ayah of the Quran again we read from Surah Baqarah. Inna Safa wal Marwata min Sha'airillah. Verily or indeed, Safa and Marwa are of the symbols of Allah. Right? As we are approaching Safa, we decide this verse. Then we say, Abda'u bima bada Allahu bi. Which means, I start with that which Allah has started. Abda'u, I begin or I start bima bada Allahu bi, with that which Allah started with. Meaning what? I start with Safa, not Marwa. Because Allah started the ayah with Safa. So this is what I start with. This is what the Prophet used to say when he approached Safa. Then we climb Safa. So this is before Safa, right? You decide this. Then you climb Safa. Until he can see the Kaaba, he should then face the Kaaba, raise his hands, praise Allah, and make dua as he wishes. Okay, now first and foremost first and foremost depending which level you make the Masai on only the, the ground level has a hill <coughs> the original ground level has a hill where you go up then you make the turn you come down again, go to Marwa, go up Take a turn, you come down again. All the other levels are just flat. Right? So they're built on now a basement level in this first floor, second floor, third floor. Okay? Those floors, they don't have hills. So you're not going to ascend anything. You're just going to walk to the end or the part which is, you know, like a big, uh, the area where you can make your turn, basically, you can turn around. That is basically a sofa and that's marwa. Right? It's not a condition to walk up. So if you are not on the, the ground floor, because that's usually the busiest floor. And again, don't make this difficult upon yourself. If it's if you feel it's fine, alhamdulillah. If you feel, look, it's a bit crowdy, don't go down. Go up. Because down is a bit stuffy. Go up. The higher you go, the better. If you go to the roof level, it's spacious. It's cool. The acorns are blowing and it's usually the emptiest level 
And this my this is me, that's what I would do. Why? I can walk in peace. There's no screaming, there's no shouting, there's no shoving. You can walk in peace. You can take your own time and relax. That's what I would do. And there are escalators that are going up there. You just jump on the escalator all the way up, make your sa'i, and you can come back down the escalators again when you're done. Right? That's my that's my recommendation. If you feel you want to do it with hustle and bustle and busy, no problem. But don't make it difficult upon um, yourself. If there's no hill to climb, when you get to that area, that is Safa. Get to the other area where it's open, that's Marwa. Okay? Um, so we say you should face the Kaaba. Right? The way the Haram is built today, the way the Haram is built today, you know the Mataf has these big marble slabs. Every marble slab is in the, in the direction of the Kaaba. Right around the haram, even on the outside. Every marble slab is built like this carpet is placed. That slabs are put in the, in the direction of the Kaaba. So if you're on the side, you won't be able to see the Kaaba. But you will see the slabs pointing to the direction of the Kaaba. So when you get to the end point, as you walk, this is now so far. You get there, you will see the slabs pointing there. So you stand on the slab, you raise your hands, and now you get to make dua. Okay? The same with Marwa. You're going to get to the end, you will see the slab, that's your, that's your direction. You stand on the slab, that's the Kaaba direction, and you make dua. The dua the Prophet used to say is, La ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lah, lahul mulku wa lahul hamdu wa huwa ala kulli shayin qadir. La ilaha illallah wahdah, anjaza wahdah, wa nasara abdah, wa hazamal ahzaba wahdah. Okay? That is the dua. He should repeat that three times and make dua in between. So this is what the Prophet used to do. He would make this dhikr, then make dua. Then he would make the dhikr and make dua. Then make the dhikr a third time, then proceed to marwa. Is that clear? So as we are approaching Safa, what do we need to decide? Inna Safa wal marwa tu Allah bi. Now we get to Whatever you want, whatever you ask is is you ask Allah for it. Then you say the dua or the dhikr for the third time. To the end. Once you've done the third time, you don't make dua again, you make dua in between them. Right? After you've done it for the third time, you now descend Marwa, Safa Sadi, and you're now walking towards Marwa. Okay? All the way now towards. Um, Marwa. Okay? What's the Sunnah now to, to recite as you are walking? It's, it's a lengthy walk all the way down. What's the Sunnah to recite? Nothing has been narrated. Which means, like the Tawaf, you do whatever you want to do. Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah. Speak in English if you want to. Allah forgive me, guide me, protect me, my children, my parents. My parents have passed away, grant him Jannah. The, just speak to Allah. 
And that's why I said if you go upstairs, for example, and it's empty, you are uh, like in walking in peace. You know, you can take your time. And the nice thing about it, there's Zamzam all the way down. You stop, take a drink, carry on, come the next round, you have some more drink. You know, you're just at your own at your own pace. But the bottom, there's people standing on top of the Zamzam. It's like you get there and you're like, and this guy's like, and he gets on top. Yeah, you go, auntie, you know, that's like that. So if you like that, you enjoy that, that's fine, you know. But if you want peace and calm, I would say go right to the top. Or look for the devil that you see is nice and calm and you make your own time. Um, and so forth. Some people, they, even the locals, they will sit there the whole day and just pause on some people. Because for them, that's a good deed, you know. So those, some youngsters are sitting on top of the Zamzam cans and they're pulling and they, they're also having fun and they um, doing khidmah for the, the hujaj and so forth. So there's nothing specific to recite, right? One sunnah is when we reach the green markers. So we know the story of, who was it? Hajar. Right, the mother of Ismail She left Ismail, she was frantic, she looked for something. Right, the story of how the Zamzam came along and so forth. That is what she did. Safa to Marwa, Safa to Marwa, right? Now, she obviously ran the distance. Whilst to run the whole distance, I think most people won't make it. But there is a sunnah which is in the time of the Prophet, there was a riverbed which had dried up, right? And he said, that riverbed which has dried up, you have to cross it with vigor. With vigor meaning you got to exert yourself, just in that period. Today there's obviously no riverbed, but they put green lights up again. You will see it starts here and it ends there. From that light to that light, you run. But this is most ulamas is only for the men. So the men, you run. When you get there, you can slow down, get your breath and wait for your wife to come. Understand? It's not such a big distance where... Uh, you know, you're going to lose her. You can run, and as you get there, you can slow down. You can wait for it to come, because then you also fulfill the sunnah of running. Okay, so you run as fast as you can. If you need to run slower, run slower. Doesn't, but try to at least increase in your speed in that, in that case over there, that is a sunnah. When he reaches the second green marker, you should walk normally until he reaches Marwa. You should time up uh, it and turn to face the Qibla. Raise his hands and say what he did as The same process. Okay, then you should time down to Marwa, head for Safa, walking in the place of walking, running in the place of running. When you reach a Safa, you should do what you did the first time. The same, this happens on top, uh, on, on, on each time you get to Safa and Marwa, this happens. Um, so from Safa to Marwa is one, Marwa to Safa is two, right? I know somebody who did Safa, Marwa, Marwa, Safa one. So technically he did 14. Yeah. Right? But that's actually one, two, three, four, five, six, and you end there, that side. So you start here, you're going to end there. It was an uneven number. Coming back from Marwa to Safa is another circuit. During his sa'i, he can say whatever he likes of dhikr and dua and say Quran, etc. Okay? Note the verse, Inna Safa wal Marwa should be recited by the pilgrim who wants to perform sa'i when he approaches Safa at the beginning of sa'i only. Right? That is before the sa'i starts. Inna Safa narat Allah Before sa'i starts. So you don't say it at Marwa again. 
He only said before it starts. Once you start, this process of La ilaha illallah happens seven times. Which means what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. The last time at Marwa, he will not do the face the Qibla, La ilaha illallah, ta'ala sharikla again. Because that's already seven. So the last time at Marwa is like the Tawa, you just get there and you're done, and you walk away. You now leave the, the Haram area, and you go and shave your head or cut your hair. And this is what will conclude your Umrah. Okay? When he's doing Tamattu, what did we say? The main Sunnah is, for the males, is shave your head. The Hadith says that Rasulullah said, Oh Allah, forgive the Muhalliqeen, those who shave. So some of the Sahaba said, what about those who trim? And he said, oh Allah, forgive those who shave. And they said, what about those who trim? And he said, oh Allah, forgive those who shave. And he said, but what about those who trim? And he said, okay, and for them also. Forgive them also. Which means it's three times he made dua for, the, for those who shave their heads, and he made dua once for those who trim their hair. But, we said for the tamattu haji, what does he do? If he knows there's enough time for my head to grow back, he should shave. If there's not enough time, he should trim his head. He should at least trim his head. He must trim because he has to come out of the ihram. But don't shave it because your time for hajj is coming, you keep the shaving for hajj. Understand? Um, طيب, what else is there? If you shave, you have to shave the whole head. And if you cut, you have to cut the whole head. Not just the top and the piece here and there. You have to trim the whole head right around, okay? Women should cut the length of a fingertip from the hair. So that's it. So you take the fingertips, length of hair, done. Not all over. One spot at the back if you feel like it, wherever. One, one snip, that piece of hair comes off. Uh, she is out of ihram. Uh, Umrah is done. With these actions, Umrah is complete. Which means Umrah consists of ihram, tawaf, sa'i, and katinehi, or shavinehi. Four rukun, basically. Four arkan of Umrah. Ihram, tawaf, sa'i, and um, katinehi. To end off, those who are doing ifrad or ifrad should not shave their heads. Remember, they are not doing Umrah and then hajj. Qiran is both together, so they don't come out of ihram. Ifrad, He's not even doing Umrah in the first place, so they will not shave their head or exit Ihram. They should remain in Ihram until they exit Ihram and the Eid after stoning the Jamratul Aqaba and shaving their heads or cutting their hair. Then when the day of Tarwiyah comes, remember this name now, Tarwiyah, which is the 8th of Mina, sorry, the 8th of Dhul Hijjah, it's the day that we go to Mina, the one who is doing Tamattu' should enter Ihram for Hajj in the morning from the place where he is in Makkah. So remember we're out of Ihram, now we wait until the 8th. On the morning of the 8th, you now do the whole process of going into Ihram again. Freshen yourself up, you know, trim your nails, all that process, take a ghusl, men put them perfume then, then you go into Ihram. And then you will say, Labbaik Allahumma Hajjah. Remember the first time, what did we say? Umrah only. Now you say your ritual for Hajj. La bayk Allah, I'm here to perform Hajj. From wherever you are. So if you are based in Makkah, like some people will stay in Makkah, or some people move to 
Azizia, just just the town next to Makkah basically. Not the town that is like another like, like, like another area basically. You just drive there, you know, like take a bus or five minutes drive. Um, and that's right next to Mina. If you are there, if you're based there, you this is where you'll perform this, this procedure. Get into the haram, take your ghusl at your hotel and so forth. Now bake Allahumma Hajjan and then you go off to Mina. Right? And then from there we will continue next week, inshallah. The Hajj now. We basically describe the whole Umrah. Next week and the week after that we will describe the entire Hajj from Mina to Arafah to Mizdalifah back to Mina and so forth. Inshallah. Any questions? Everything's clear? Yes. Um, if you cut your hair, go for the woman, what does she do? So whether you can do it anyway, you should get back to your hotel. You can do it anyway. So it cuts it. You can do it anyway. So either you take a scissor with you, or there are women that carry scissors, but you use them, they'll charge you. <laughs> so they'll first give you the scissor, you cut your hair, you say shukran, they say right to anything else. Right? So be wary of that. If you want that, no problem, but take the money with you. Right? So you go to them and say, look, is it in real? Can you use scissor? Cut your way and finish. Or you can do it. Disposing of it. There's no rules. There's no specific rules. I would say dispose of it where no strange individual can get hold of your ear because of black magic and those type of things. Um, but uh, usually people just throw it in the bins in the haram. There's those massive bins with plastic in it. Or you do it in your hotel if you want to. But that's when you come out of your haram. Once you cut the air. Then you are officially out of the haram and Allah knows best. Sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Shiru ala ilaha illa anta astaghfirullah wa atumu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum.